0: Welcome, I'm Jessica Teigen, and this is the Evolving to Exceptional podcast, where we talk about reaching peak performance in our workplaces, homes, and communities so that we can live our best life possible, an exceptional life. I am extremely excited for this episode because we have a guest with us today, Emily. She's from a fantastic new startup in the St. Louis area called Curate. She is an HR professional in a small-sized business, which is always great to get that perspective of what it's like to experience um, experience those businesses. So we're looking forward to getting her perspective on what it's like to, to be in HR in a small business and what challenges um, you're experiencing right now today in the people space and how you're overcoming those challenges. Um, so, so we're gonna go ahead and just jump right in um, this week and and start talking about your experience. So maybe if you want to just start us off with just a brief introduction um, of of who you are and um, how you've come to be in the HR and talent management professions.
1: Um, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Jessica, for uh, inviting me on to this episode. Really excited to, to be here chatting with you. Um, I So yeah, I have been in HR for about 13-ish plus years in some capacity. Um, and and whether it was, um, you know, as an HR generalist slash office manager slash benefits administrator, uh, you know, at small companies, um, that I've worked for in the past, or if it's building out the function, uh, like I'm doing now currently and what I did at my previous, um, tech startup that I worked for. Um, so, you know, have just broad, uh, broad experience and exposure to all things, HR and people related. Um, and I, 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 I love it. I think, you know, working for small organizations in particular, um, being able to have a direct impact on the employees and the employee experience and uh, managers and leadership and, and culture and just all the things um, really is, is what, uh, what, what keeps me going, what makes me happy.
0: So you, you mentioned there that um, one of the things you, you really like or, or part of your experience is having to, to build the function. So for people that haven't been in a small organization or an HR department of one, what does that mean building the function? What, is that, what does that look like? And I imagine that's even, even more prominent or even more the case when you're working in a startup where, where there really wasn't um, a lot of, of things in place before.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's really um, you know, putting in the infrastructure um
0: policies,
1: um, processes, um, you know, putting together the the Um, like an employee handbook, the all encompassing, just, you know, everything about kind of um, how we do things, why we do things, that sort of thing. Um, And then from there, you know, implementing the tools that are needed, you know, HRIS and um, for all the um, just employee connection points, um, communication tools, all of those things for internal communication um, and, and um, management, and really just kind of starting with that foundation, and then you know aligning sort of what the initiatives and and what determining what's important and when, kind of based on you know what the company objectives and goals are, and 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 what you know, the mission is and sort of just aligning all of those pieces together. But yeah, you know, building up from that, that foundation is, is, is really the key. Um, and then from there, it's just building on top of it and, and iterating and improving kind of as you go. Um But yeah, for most startups and small organizations and startups in particular, um, they might have some of the, the software tools in place, but Aren't really using those to, um, you know, leveraging those to their full capacity and and automating um, certain areas that can be automated and and whatnot. And so it's just, yeah, really just kind of building that base and and building or laying that foundation and then building on top of it.
0: So I think what's interesting, I think what a lot of people probably don't know, um, if they're especially if they're not in HR or if they're in uh, businesses without a lot of a function there, or maybe functions that have existed for a long time, is how much process and different elements there are so in a big company mm-hmm. um, or even a mid-sized company they have somebody who does recruitment and onboarding and then they have somebody who and and so there's a lot of focus around talent attraction and and how you recruit and scan candidates and and that can be a full-time job in and of itself even in a small company that can mm-hmm. become pretty daunting and then you've got people that are doing learning and development and then performance management and then so you've Got all these different, you know, functions, the compliance, the, the the handbooks, and all these different pieces, and you actual actually have expertise, you know, individuals with that expertise in those areas. So when you're an HR department of one, you have to to pull upon a lot of other resources. So I'm curious how you you know what you use to bring in, like how you bring in resources, or whether you bring past practices that you've used, or processes that you've used, or whether you're you're always you know completely starting from scratch, and how you kind of tackle um, implementing across so many different significant functions with a lot of activity in all of them. I mean, in, in, and there's a lot of elements that go into all of them. And from somebody who did it similarly, who is built built from the ground up um, a, a, an HR department, it's it's a lot of work to put all those pieces in place. And there's a lot of elements. So how where do you where do you go for resources or how do you go about deciding where to start and where to focus?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're fortunate now in in this day and age and the the software tools that are out there that help so much with this. Um, You know, for instance, when I first started um, with this company, we were going to be adding um, a lot of, you know, several team members. And so recruiting was going to be a big focus. And, um, you know, as you said, that it's a... Recruiting is is a big thing. It takes a lot of time. And uh, so, you know, I implemented an applicant tracking system right away just to help um, not only myself keep track of all the candidates and communication and everything, but for managers, you know, interviewing, interviewers and hiring managers, uh, just to have that one source of truth for everyone to easily communicate through and and move candidates along uh, without having to... Have those, you know, manually or, or uh, having to think about asking people for feedback on this person or that person. So that was a, a, a big thing, and and um, leveraging other tools as much as possible to automate um, whatever pieces I can. Um, implemented a uh, performance management system to help enable those one-on-one conversations between managers and employees, and I. I can, I I can see um, the weekly check-ins. I have, I have uh, uh, visibility into the weekly pulses. uh, So I can see, you know, just from an engagement standpoint, how employees are doing and, um, you know, really lucky just with all the amount of HR tools um, that are out there that enable me to carry out all of those different pieces without, to your point of having a department for each one or a specialist for each one. Um, And, you know, priorities are always shifting. And, you know, I might be focusing on recruitment for, you know, one quarter in particular, or or whatever that might look like. Um, But then still trying to you know, balance those other pieces and just the regular day-to-day administrative components to, to HR. Um, and so, you know, it's just keeping, keeping my, uh, my finger on the pulse of what's going on, determining what's going to be important, you know, understanding what the business goals are, and, and then kind of going from there um, to determine, okay, what could be the most impactful thing? Where's my time going to be spent? or where should my time be spent to you know deliver on on those most impactful initiatives that could really make a difference
0: i i love this is so interesting because you've been in, in the field about as as long as I have. And when you go back to the beginning, or at least this was my experience that that technology wasn't all there yet. So like today, now there's these, these technologies that you're right. I mean, it makes an applicant tracking system where you can keep track of, of your recruiting and your hiring is transformational. I remember Mm -hmm. back to the spreadsheet days and trying to keep track of manual, (sighs) um, manual resumes, like printed resumes and, Mm And I I was even in my early career, I was even faxing background checks, um, which is just seems crazy now, right? Like that's all automated and it's so much smoother. And, um, and so, uh, you know, thinking back from that point, how much technology has helped to streamline, especially the activities in HR that probably we hate the most, you know, Mm -hmm. all those administrative and filing. And I remember I used to have to dedicate like a day to just getting files in order and making sure things went into personnel files and all, all of that kind of thing. So that's that's such a great insight, and I think it's it's probably unique to um, that you're in a, a in this tech startup space where technology is valued, where where mm-hmm. we're going to leverage right. and use the the automation of technology mm-hmm. um, versus maybe some other organizations or or, or sectors that. Um, either they're homegrown or they've been family companies and or are maybe, or maybe not in the tech space and are maybe more resistant to making those investments or seeing the return on those investments. And it shocks me to this day when I find people who are in these businesses who are doing things so manually and how much time it's taking and they don't even recognize how much value they could get out of streamlining some of those practices. <laughs> right it's like you know there's an app for that like yeah. you, can, you just do that and there's probably like 200 that you right. can pick from like it's it's and and when i first picked a some of the hr um automation tools like there really wasn't that many to choose from there were there were especially in terms of affordability there were really expensive ones but now there are so many tech startups in the hr space with different tools that it, it makes a huge huge difference any technology that you like just absolutely love and would recommend? Like, is there certain um, systems you use that are just incredibly valuable to you?
1: Uh, Yeah, so 15.5 is one that I can't recommend enough. Um, I've used other performance management platforms and I mean, I feel like they're all great in their own way, but 15.5 is just very employee centric and focuses on, The entire employee as 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 a as a being as a person and uh, and and it's just it has everything you know we we run our performance or best self reviews uh, cycles through the platform as I mentioned you know managers hold their one on ones they have all their notes in the platform we manage our OKRs through the platform I send employee surveys through the platform it's just yeah it uh, highly recommend. 155.
0: Oh I'm sure that makes life just so much so much yeah. easier. Now yeah. technology is an important part of what we do um, but there's a lot of other challenges you know we encounter so I'm curious what you've been going through what are some of the biggest challenges that that you and your organization um, or you from a, an HR perspective have experienced over um, the last you know 12 to 18 months?
1: Uh, well, you know I think a big one that many of us have have felt is um, you know the the economy the downturn and, and unfortunately layoffs within the tech industry have been um, very prominent over the last few months and uh, you know we're seeing a lot about the tech giants who are laying off you know, thousands or tens of thousands of their employees, which is extremely, you know, unfortunate, but there's also the small, small and medium sized businesses that un- unfortunately are having to do the same thing. And, and our organization was, was no exception to that. Unfortunately, um, you know, our software is, uh, used by professionals in the event space, um, florists, caters, event planners, um, and, and such. And, and, uh, you know, events—just the event space in general—is is, is um, has definitely come back from from COVID. But you know, there's still so much uncertainty and, and things happening in the economy that um, you know, unfortunately, we had to have a reduction in force last month and and uh, had to had to downsize. And so, you know, it, it's definitely a challenge when you're already a small organization and then you have to let go of, you know, 20 to 25% of your, um, employees. And so, but the work still needs to be done. You're just trying to, now you have to distribute it among less people. And, um, so trying to, to manage that and support employees and everything has, has, um, it's been a, it's been a challenge. (laughs)
0: One of the things that that had me reach out to you was that article you posted or, or shared about um, the the financial accounting and how that drives the, the HR decisions. That that how we look at at our financials and. And coming from that, I've, I've probably been through half a dozen um, reduction in forces as, as an executive leader and looking at the financials to make that decision and to look at how many people you have to reduce and what numbers you have to target. It really does drive that, that outcome and that result. And, and it's almost never about there's not enough work to do. I mean, there's there's almost always, I think the only exception I had to that was when we had to actually shut down a a business when the, in the oil and gas market a number of years ago. So that, that we actually weren't going to do that work anymore. But with the exception of that, most of the time, the work, people were busy. People were, were doing things, whether Mm -hmm. it was all, you know, best performance and of the most value that's questionable, but, but they were busy. They were, they were executing. And so now, like you said, the people that are, are still there have to pick up that load. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I like to I like to talk about when we when we address reductions in workforce that there's a lot of trauma involved um, yeah. and and labeling that process as trauma, not just for the people who are let go, which certainly um, losing a job is is huge trauma. I, I recently um, saw a, an article that talked about that, that when you when you change jobs or lose your job. It is actually more impactful on your mental health than a divorce. That that it takes longer to recover from wow. a, a job transition than than a divorce, um, which which is you know it really. That's huge. Really, really big deal. But mm-hmm. also the people, the the leaders, the you as in HR, having to to do those meetings, to have those discussions, mm-hmm. and then to have, and then for the employees that are left, that are that are picking up all of that load and question, you know, that maybe their really close friend is no longer there, and how they navigate those relationships. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of of pain and trauma in there what do you do if anything i'll, I'll admit that a lot of organizations in, including mine at, at certain points didn't necessarily um do a lot or, or take that into account what are some of the things that that you do to try to um support the employees who are who are still there the 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 people that are picking up that load
1: um yeah well if that article that you mentioned it's very interesting the impact uh to hear that comparison from, you know, losing your, your job or or changing and compared to a divorce. Um, Yeah. That, I mean, that just goes to, to show that, um, you know, the connection people feel, I think, toward to their job and what they do and and how significant it is when they feel that impact that deeply. Um, And then for the employees who remain, you know, there's definitely a a grieving period um, when, they have to say goodbye to their friends potentially or just you know these people that they work alongside and um come combating that survivor's guilt and you know we try to um you know we're still kind of in that period of of rebuilding trust. I feel like you know even the most well handled, well designed uh layoffs leave those remaining employees feeling some type of way and and like that trust is, is shaken. Um, and so, you know, rebuilding that trust is just so imperative, um, the trust in the company and leadership. And, um, so, you know, focusing on transparency and, um, keeping employees apprised of, of what's going on, our, our revenue metrics and product customer data and all of the things that, um, you know, we can be as, as an open and transparent about and fostering just that regular two-way communication, um, you know, not only between like managers and their, uh, employees, but also leadership and our executives to, to the whole team. Um, and you know, that to your point, yeah, the, we let go of all these people, but the work's still there, the work didn't go anywhere. And, and, uh, trying to support employees through that transition for the ones that you know are taking on that additional workload we've created a couple of new positions out of um as a result of of the riff and um, there's so there's you know some employees who are doing kind of a hybrid of, of what they did before and and what a former employee perhaps did um but you know dispersing as much of that work among among the department or, or team as, as possible. And, um, you know, just being really clear on kind of the priorities and, and those, those goals or OKRs and managers just being there to support their employees with as much guidance and along the way and um, removing any roadblocks um, and, and just, you know, yeah, being there to, to really guide them through it is, is really important.
0: Yeah. And I think you um, hit on something really key, which is the transparency piece. And I think one of the things, and, and my background, I'm, I'm an attorney by trade. I went to law school. And, and, and so I've got kind of that legal background. But oftentimes, when we go through reduction in forces, especially if you're getting legal, outside legal advice, it's very sterile. It's very, mm-hmm. like, you do these steps, you don't, you know, don't talk about why don't talk about the rationale, don't, even though you have it. Right. And w- one of the things I found was that, the more transparent we could be, the more we said, you know, these were the factors that we considered. Um, And we went through an extensive analysis in making that decision. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, I like this person and I don't like this person, but it was really based on data and information and, and, you know, background experience, the value, all the different pieces. And then the more we told people about the financials leading up to that. So the more we communicated where we were and yep, we're in a struggling point and we got to look at how we're going to reduce costs so that then when it happens, Um, I mean, you don't tell everybody the day it's going to happen or anything, but when it happens, people, it makes sense to them. It's not, it's not a complete surprise. And that when you do those steps, it makes a huge, huge difference. The other thing we used to do is we would, we would actually, um, create like written documents that would go out with like all the questions that people would want answers to, Mm. because we found that a lot of people were too afraid to ask. The questions. Um, They were too afraid at that point to, to come and, and ask. And if we, if we did it in that way and managers were really then immediately having conversations with their teams, reassuring people, going over information, it settled people down a lot faster than leaving that kind of frenzied, you know, response. Mm -hmm. And one of the things when I, when I refer to it as trauma, what happens is that we're, we're actually triggered um, in terms of our nervous systems by that, by such a a significant event. And so we get into this Mm -hmm. fight or flight, high stress and Mm -hmm. that is that then perpetuates other dramas. So there's more conflict. There's more frustration. People are quicker to snap at each other. um, So it's because they're in that state. So if you can lower that, if you can take those steps to do the right things as best as you can. Obviously you want to stay in the, do things legally and appropriately, but the more that you can do that in a kind and, and respectful way, mm-hmm. the better the results for, for everybody, um, everybody involved.
1: Absolutely. Like using, you know, just being empathetic and, in, in in all of the planning and, and support and, and everything throughout the entire process of, of this type of situation is um, super important. And I think that's the only way if because if the remaining employees feel like, OK, you know, the, yeah, this is what we had to do as, as a company to to stay in business, to stay a company, as a company, um, then at least we did it in a compassionate and empathetic way towards those that, that we had to say goodbye to.
0: And that makes a big difference when you have leaders that are willing to, communicate in that way to to operate in that way to to express their own you know vulnerability and and emotions mm-hmm. in response to to the experience and i think that's something else that a, a lot of leaders can learn from is that you know admitting to the employees that are staying the impact it's had on you or the struggle and that like that, that you two feel the the mm-hmm. effect and, and uh, it creates more of a bond around, um, and more of a connection around the experience rather than creating a break in the relationship or, or a separation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's that, that, that common, um, yeah that common bond connection, as you said that's a, just a great way to put it um going through that experience together and being vulnerable and um, opening up about it shows the employees it's okay to do that it's okay to f- you know feel a certain way about it it's natural we're all human and and we all found ourselves in this unfortunate situation but We're connected by this and we're going to stay connected going forward and um, do what we can to achieve that progress that we need to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So switching gears just a little bit, what, what do you find to be your biggest struggle that you're facing right now on a regular basis? So what is kind of that biggest challenge outside of, of the major shift in in terms of the reduction in force, what are some of the things that are, or the, the biggest thing that you're, you're facing as a solo HR person um, having to, to manage through?
1: Um, so, yeah, for me personally, I would say, you know, I, um, just well, as a result of the the riff, um, I had a, a a person on my team. I had a people ops coordinator who was fantastic and um, you know helped me kind of in all areas. And and uh, unfortunately, as we downsized the team, you know we didn't need as. Large of an HR department of uh, two, <laughs> we really, um, you know, so it, it, there weren't as many employees to support, and and so, um, you know, unfortunately, the position was eliminated. So, but in my, all of my planning for for the riff and for, um, you know, all the the communication and all the pieces that went into it, I never really took the time to um, absorb the fact that I would be absorbing this person's workload as well. Uh, and so adjusting to that, um, you know, over the past month, month and a half has definitely been, um, it has been a challenge, um, just for, for me personally is, is, I mean, you know, being an HR department of one isn't, isn't new to me, but, uh, but that, you know, that transition, that change, taking on that additional workload um, while still, you know, having the same workload that, that I had prior to has, has definitely been a, a challenge that I'm, I'm trying to navigate and continue to navigate as, uh, as best I can.
0: How do you, that, that can lead to a lot of excess stress and there's there's a lot of talk right now about um, levels of stress and burnout and um, when, when you go through reduction in force, of course that adds more work. So if people were potentially already stressed um, and yeah. uh, then that just kind of compounds the challenge, do you feel like that is a challenge either for yourself or the other employees within your organization right now?
1: Yeah, I mean that's something I I worry about all the time um, for not just me but for everyone else on the team because uh, you know we're always thinking about retention and wanting people to stay and keeping people engaged and inspired and all of those things and um, and for me personally even you know I mean uh, I've I've Taken a, a couple of mental health days <laughs> over the last, you know, month and a half, and um, it's been needed. Uh, even though, you know, I know the work's still going to be here when I get back, but just taking a break and stepping aside from it, you know, um, not having to think about it for a couple of days, I think is is really important. But also, um, you know, and for everybody else um, as well who or just have maybe been feeling like they're go, go, go since, um, since losing their, their team members. Um, But it's so important to, to take that time. And, and so us as a, you know, as leadership, just relaying that message, uh, setting that example by taking time ourselves um, and just offering that support Whatever that might look like. Um, if if somebody's, you know, if they notice somebody's working like they're online just like all night or, or working way too into the wee hours of, of the morning or whatever that might look like, you know, talking with that person and saying, Hey, like what's going on? What can I do to help you? What can I take off of your plate? Um, you know, so that you have you have time to to, um, recharge or whatever that looks like for you. Right. Um, but yeah, really just trying to offer as much support as possible. Um, and, you know, thinking creatively in ways that we can, you know, maybe there are other areas of, um, the work that we can automate and with a tool that maybe we already have. And and there's a, you know, a piece of it we're not using or, or what that might look like. Um, if investing in new tools, isn't really an option either. Um, but but yeah, I think it's, it's it just comes down to that support, encouraging those breaks and that time off, and and uh, um, you know along the way, and, and setting that example as leaders is really important.
0: I love that you talked about mental health days because. For a long time that was a stigma. It was kind of a joke. Like 13 mm-hmm. being a mental health day, what is that? Right? That was right. Like, like you never you didn't want anybody to know. Like Yeah, oh, why are, why are you doing that? What does that mean? Is there something wrong? Yeah. And it's interesting because we separate in our minds somehow mental health from physical health when really it's all part of the same body. Like all it's connected. all part of the same thing. And so it's it's not lesser than than being physically sick. Um, in yeah. some cases, the stress um, can be just as detrimental as physical illness. Mm-hmm. um, to our bodies, to our, our immune systems long-term. Yeah. And so, so it's actually preventative, um, and, and probably equally important as people staying home when they're, you know, physically sick, which also for a long time, there was even, you know, stigma against that, right. Um, <laughs> you, you come to work anyway, people would come to work, you know, coughing and like totally mm-hmm. a mess. And, you know, I think the pandemic, if if it did anything, it allowed us to maybe, say like, if you're really sick, stay, like just work from home now, you know, like don't get Mm -hmm. everybody else sick. Like that's more, more acceptable practice I think nowadays, but, but I think eliminating that stigma around mental health and, and creating, I really like what you said about leaders setting an example there and that, um, that taking care of, of your whole health, um, it's just as important because, you know, I, I know from, from my experience, I've, I, you, you end up having to stay home cause you got a sick kid or, you know, you're, you're physically right. sick or you're, and then you're trying to come back from what was already stress or, and so it, it can, it can compound really quickly to long-term, mm-hmm. you know, to have long-term impacts. And if you can create some of that space and some of that, um, you know, putting some of that energy into that time. I think that's, that's a really big value for, for employees today.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and like you said, I think if, you know, COVID, it, it um, obviously rocked our world in, in many, many ways, but I think one thing it, it did, um, it, it shined a light so much on mental health and the importance of it and the direct correlation between that and performance even and, and, and physical health and all the things, um, it, it really just in the last, you know, few years since the pandemic, it's, it's been, it's been de-stigmatized. Um, and, and I think that's, that's just a huge thing that, uh, a huge positive, I think we can say came out of, of, uh, such a dark time. Yeah.
0: So if you could, Um, bring anything to your, to your business. If you could bring from an HR and talent management perspective to the employees and to your business to help support your business, what would you bring? What, what do you think would really bring the most value given the challenges you're facing right now and the experiences you've got, what, what would you like to be, be delivering or bringing to your your business the most right now?
1: Resources to combat burnout, uh, whether it's, you know, outside, resources coming in to, um, you know, talk with leaders or managers um, to, um, you know, just help kind of develop and, and build on those leadership skills and in ways that are more um, impactful to the employee experience and the employee purpose and meaning and, and really just um, focusing on that. Um, and because I get, I think again, you know, if, if people feel connected to what they're doing, if they feel that what they're doing has purpose and meaning, um, it makes it that much easier for them to enjoy what they're doing, um, and burnout, you know, I mean, burnout is inevitable if you're burning the candles at both ends, but I think, you know somebody who is is truly um, you know intrinsically motivated and in and, and passionate and and loves what they do. Um, that burnout is, is less likely for for those people to to happen. Um, so yeah, I think just um, resources, whatever that might look like, from you know external outside coaches or. or people that could maybe help our, um, leadership team to equip them with ways that they can really help their employees and, um, uh, support them in that I think would be, would be really cool to bring in.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, we've, we've heard that a lot from a lot of HR leaders around burnout. And I, I went through my own burnout experience. It was what led me to to leave um, uh, the corporate the corporate space for a while because I, I really had to to do some recovering, but I didn't mm-hmm. even realize what was going on. But when I when we talk about burnout, we we look at it as kind of three different elements. And I, I think this can be really helpful to 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 those who, who maybe are struggling or wondering if they're struggling. The ways we look at it is kind of the three elements that start to fire. And, and that burnout really isn't a big explosion. It's like a slow burn. It's like a a spark that just Mm -hmm. slowly builds. And I think that's why it can be missed. And it certainly was why I missed it, because it was this slow accumulation of multiple things over a really long time. And it wasn't um, like a big, a big, you know, all of a sudden I can't get out of bed. You know, it it was a slow process. So I look at it as the three elements of fire. So the first is oxygen. You have to have oxygen to, to have a fire. You have to have a fuel and then you have to have a spark. So if you have those three things, that's what starts a fire. So oxygen is our environment. So if there's a mm. workplace environment that has uh, a lot of stress, um, high, really high workplace demands, not a lot of recognition, um, you know, all the things that uh, create, you know, a more challenging workplace. So a lack of engagement, a lack of um, a positive employee experience. If if you've got a workplace that that has those components, and then you combine it with the fuel, which is our own. Uh, Self-limiting beliefs and fears. So Mm. our fear of failure or our need for perfectionism or our we don't have enough self-worth if we don't deliver enough or things like that, that then create the behaviors that cause us to push ourselves too far, that cause Mm. us to, to keep going when we should stop. Yeah. And then the spark is the life challenges that just happen. The pandemic, mm-hmm. the you know, I the childbirth, pregnancy, health issues, um, you know, job losses, it's the things that you can't actually do anything about. Those mm-hmm. things just happen. And so because we can't do anything about the spark, the thing that actually ignites and starts the the slow burn, we really have to pay attention to the environment and to to ourselves, to our mm. our own um, our own internal practices and behaviors, and so those are really the things that when we want to look at and address burnout, we want to look at. And so I love that you talked about you know meaning and purpose because that's one of those elements that really contributes to high levels of of engagement and a positive work experience and and so if you've got things like meaning and purpose and you've got lots of Recognition and appreciation, mm-hmm. and you've got um, um, really clear expectations. People know what they're they're supposed to do. They're getting feedback on that. They're getting development and growth opportunities. If those elements that are part of of high engagement levels are there, then then that work environment doesn't push someone into burnout. And then likewise, if you can equip individuals with the practices that help them not to, to or, or help them to manage those limiting beliefs, those fears, those mm-hmm. things that get in the way or, or have them push harder than they should or keep going when they need a break or don't take care of themselves, then that also helps to alleviate um, the getting to burnout. Um, and so that's kind of how, how we look at it. And I love that you kind of talked about the, the, the meaning and purpose and those, those engagement elements because those are, are really like one of those preventative factors.
1: Yeah, I love that analogy or, you know, the, um, you know, three elements to make a fire. And and it's, it's so, it's so true. I mean, burnout is, it's a, it's a slow burn. It's a, it's a small leak, you know, and then that one spark or something that triggers the explosion or, you know, the pipe to burst, whatever that looks like. Um, It's so true because yeah, you don't always notice it when you're, when you're deep in the trenches and you're just trying to do what you do, and um, and then you're limiting beliefs of yourself, you know that's a, another. Um, I, already, you know, mentioned fifteen five earlier and recommended it, and, and you know the best self reviews or um, what we call the performance review cycle. It's a uh, you know focusing more on you know asking questions that really truly help to develop those people and that feedback and and giving that feedback in constructive ways to ultimately help them grow and realize what their strengths are and, you know, leaning on those strengths. And yeah, so it's all, it's just, is all connected, but I love that, um, analogy that you use to describe it.
0: Yeah, it, and it makes it really does make such a difference when you're doing good performance practices like that. That that really makes that more of a hygiene factor than a risk mm-hmm. factor and um and 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 really can help impact, you know, those those outcomes and those results. And one of the challenges is once somebody gets into burnout so if you can prevent it, you're in much better shape because once somebody gets into burnout, it's, it's not an easy road to, to recovery. It's not like you just wake up, you get a couple nights sleep and th- and then you're better. Um, it's, right. it's a process to get yourself, um, beyond that point because you put yourself into a physical state. And so, um, you know, one of the things I, I saw, um, I saw a video on one of the social media platforms. It was, it was a, a comedy or a joke joke video of a, of a doctor, you know, who's, who's clearly burned out and coming to HR and HR saying, well, here, take this course on resiliency. And the doctor's like, Well, when am I supposed to take this? Like, can I take some time off to take this course? No, you do that on your own time. And that'll, that'll, you know, you just need to be more resilient and then you'll, you'll overcome it. And it was, it was super funny. Right. Because it's like, it's like the course is not going to help at this point. Like the course might've helped like five years ago. If they understand, you know, if you built in the practices or or whatever, but that's not going to help at this point. And so, when you get to that point of like lots of stress and into into burnout, that's where people really need support to get themselves out of it. They need a coach Mm -hmm. or um, a a therapist or someone who can help them walk through the shifts that they need to make to recover from the experience that they've had. Um, And so, if workplaces can address the preventative things that's going to be way more cost effective. Um, but if they're getting people into burnout and they really want to remedy it and, and they should, because the performance impacts of burnout are huge. Um, mm-hmm. People are, are, I think that's a huge part of the quiet quitting um you know, conversation that's going on right now of people quiet quitting. I think that's a great example of, of burnout is I'm just, I'm going to keep coming, but I don't really care anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just here and like
1: disassociation. Yep.
0: Disengage. Well, I'm, I'm here at my desk and I'll like, it'll look like I'm doing plenty, but it's, I'm not, I don't really care. And that's, and and now, now you really have an, an impact and a burn on your business. And Um, And so if you can do the preventative things or get those those systems and structures in place to prevent it, you're going to be just so much better off in, in the long run. So it's great when organizations can do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. I think it'll be really helpful to get, you know, some, for our listeners to hear some of these perspectives, any final thoughts you want, want to offer anything you want, want to share, um, as we, as we wrap up here.
1: Uh, well, I just want to thank you for, for having me on. This has been, um, Awesome. Getting to talk to you and really, you know, I do have a little bit of advice for my fellow people, practitioners, you know, take care of yourself. We're, we're the ones, you know, we focus on taking care of, of everyone else, you know, our employees and and, and team and and everything and helping people. But so it's easy to, to kind of lose track of, of what we need. So just be a self-advocate, take care of yourself, take your breaks, take your mental holidays. whatever you need. Um, yeah. Just remember to take care of you and you're doing a great job.
0: <laughs> Such a great reminder. I am so glad you said that because HR professionals are some of the most burnt out individuals right now and, and are just, and it is, it is a really hard role when you're focused on everyone else and there's really nobody for you. Um, there's, there is there is no HR department for the HR department. So I think that is a, a really great reminder. And the work that that you do and, and HR leaders everywhere do, do is so important and so impactful and makes such a big difference. So I think that is such a great reminder. Thank you for for those uh, words of wisdom. And thank you so much for, for coming on um, and having this conversation. I I so appreciate you giving us uh, your, your time. Thank
1: you. It's been, I, I love being here with you.
0: So with that, we'll, we'll wrap up our, our conversation and we will be back next week with another episode. So I just wanted to take a minute here to wrap up this podcast episode. It was so great to have Emily Dirkers on this podcast. It was so great making that connection and that relationship um, and getting to hear her perspective and the experiences that she's had in her workplace. And I raised a number of different topics that I just wanted to provide some references around. So it talked about trauma. Um, the trauma in reductions in force. And I wrote an article um, a while back that will uh, tie in the show notes for you if you want to reference that. We also talked a bit about burnout. Similarly, I've done um, a couple of webinars on burnout. So if you want to check those out, learn a little bit more about the the three factors of burnout and and steps you can take. And we have resources on our website as well. As always, if uh, you have any needs that we can support you in, reach out to us. We are looking for other HR talent management professionals who are interested in sharing their challenges, their story, what they're experiencing in their workplaces. So if you are an HR or talent management resource and you're interested in coming on and, and telling your story, please reach out to us. You can email us at contact at evolving to exceptional or reach out to us via our, our website page. We will be launching uh, some very new, um, amazing resources and programs that address so much of what we've been talking about over the last year. So please stay tuned and uh, follow us on social media. Look at what we're doing. There's going to be a lot more coming soon. Um, we're very excited about the difference we can make. So if you're having any of these challenges we talked about today with burnout, with coaching your leaders and managers, with reduction in forces, please Please reach out to us. We would love to talk with you, help you in any way that we can and see if there is any service that we can support or provide. I will look forward to talking with you guys all more uh, next week. And I hope you have a fantastic week.